0: Optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now is a perfect time. What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Charlotte's Web, which makes a CBD oil. A hemp extract that has become one of my go to tools. Now, I have never really talked about CBD oil, and cannabis has never really been the plant for me. I know we're talking about hemp, uh, but nonetheless, after several nights of inexplicable insomnia, this was about a year ago, I just could not get to sleep to save my life. And after other fixes failed, so melatonin, California poppy, extract, da 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 da, an elite athlete introduced me to this non psychoactive extract, and bam! Problem solved. I had some of the best sleep that I'd had in months. Now, I don't use sleep aids on a daily basis, but this has become part of my toolkit, and I hope to be exploring other applications soon. CBD oil products have exploded in popularity in the health and wellness and fitness worlds, and Charlotte's Web is one of the top players that offers broad-spectrum hemp extract with CBD in the form of oils, capsules, and topical products. Charlotte's Web products will not get you high, so that maybe that is good news, maybe bad news to you, but it does have some powerful benefits and uh, applications, and it works with your body's existing endocannabinoid system, endo meaning from within, like endo versus exoskeleton, for instance, so endocannabinoid system works with your body. Some of the most common uses are for relief from everyday stressors, help in supporting restful sleep, which is what I most often use it for. Uh, to bring about a sense of calm and focus. A lot of my friends use it for that. CBD is also known or becoming known for helping athletes to recover from exercise induced inflammation charlotte's web hemp extract has naturally occurring terpenes flavonoids and other valuable hemp compounds that work synergistically to heighten positive effects sometimes referred to as the entourage effect which you guys can look up making it more complete than single compound cbd alternatives or at least that is what i've been told Uh, i do not know much about cbd alternatives nor single compound in any case Check it out. This stuff has really worked for me. So jump over to cwhemp.com forward slash Tim. CW is in Charlotte's Web. Cwhemp.com forward slash Tim to take a quick quiz which will determine the best product for your particular aims, lifestyle, etc. And they ship to all 50 states. Charlotte's Web are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off of their purchase. While there are some exclusions, I personally use the Extra Strength CBD oils or the Extra Strength capsules, and uh, you can see what might be a fit for you on that page. And there is a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so why not try it out? So get 10% off of your purchase at cwhemp.com forward slash Tim. And disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Peloton, which I've been using probably for about a year now. Peloton is a cutting-edge indoor cycling bike that brings live studio classes right into your home. You can also do on-demand, which is what I do. We'll come back to that. So you don't have to worry about fitting classes into a busy schedule or making it to a studio or gym with a hectic or unpredictable commute. I, for instance, have a Peloton bike right in my master bedroom at home, and it's one of the first things I do many mornings. I wake up, I meditate for a bit, then I knock out a short 20-minute ride in my undies, hard to do that at the gym, take a shower, and I'm in higher gear for the rest of the day. It's really convenient and has become something that I look forward to. So you have a lot of options. For one, if you like, you can ride live with thousands of other riders across the country on an interactive leaderboard to keep you motivated. There are also up to 14 new classes added every day with more than 8,000 classes on demand. And you can pick based on length, 45 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, music, hip hop, rock and roll, or say low impact versus high intensity or interval. You can pick the class structure and style that works for you. And in my case... I quite like Matt Wilpers, and I tend to do on-demand and listen to a lot of and watch many of the same classes over and over, but I'm kind of promiscuous and also enjoy classes from a lot of the other instructors. They have Peloton, an amazing roster of incredible instructors in New York City with a whole range of styles and personalities, so you can find what you're in the mood for. You also get real-time metrics that you can use to track your performance over time, and that will help I would say, catalyze you to beat your personal best. Now, that all sounds good, right? Gamification, yada, yada, yada. I didn't think that it would work for me or in any way incentivize me, but they really 100% hit the nail on the head. I was very, very impressed with how motivating it was. And it worked tremendously to keep me pushing, uh, which quite honestly takes a fair amount. I can get quite lazy, particularly with anything that edges on endurance, which is kind of more than five reps of anything for me. So... Check it out. Discover this cutting-edge indoor cycling bike that brings the studio experience right to your home. Peloton is offering listeners of this podcast a limited-time offer. Go to OnePeloton.com, that's O-N-E, Peloton, P-E-L-O-T-O-N, dot com, and enter the code TIM, all caps, at checkout and get $100 off of accessories with your Peloton bike purchase. So get a great workout at home anytime you want. Check it out. Go to OnePeloton.com and use the code TIM to get started. Hello, Tim Ferris fans. My name
1: is A.J. Jacobs, and I'm a writer and friend of Tim's, and Tim has asked me to guest host the podcast today. He's away, he's off the grid, so he has outsourced his podcasting duties to me, which, of course, is a very Tim Ferris thing to do. And I am delighted with the opportunity. I pledge to work my ass off to entertain and enlighten you as your designated podcaster. Tim asked me to talk about the topic, how to be happier in these super stressful times. So I'm going to talk about 10 strategies. Most of these strategies, uh, but not all, involve gratitude. And that's because I have a new book coming out. It's called Thanks a Thousand, and, uh, and Tim read it, and he liked it. Thank you, Tim. Grateful, of course. And uh, wanted me to tell you some of what I learned, uh, because it is a, uh, it was a, a life-altering project for me. Uh, the premise of the book is that I go around the world, and I try to thank every single person who had even the smallest role in making my morning cup of coffee. Uh, and that turned out to be a buttload of people, over a thousand people, because I, I went deep. I went, you know, six degrees of gratitude. So I thanked the farmer and, of the coffee beans and the barista, of course. But, uh, I also thanked the, the designer of the logo for the coffee, uh, the truck driver who drove the coffee beans, the, the guy who painted the yellow lines on the road so that the, uh, truck wouldn't veer into traffic, uh, I love doing this one. I thanked the inventor of the cardboard sleeve that goes around your coffee cup so you don't burn your fingers. And by the way, those sleeves have a name. They are called Zarfs, Z-A-R-F. And Zarfs have been around since ancient China, made of gold and silver. So very thankful I learned that and was able to impart it to you. Uh, but the idea was to show that every little thing in our lives... Uh, involves thousands of people that we take for granted. And uh, in the book, I talk about the most interesting, sometimes weirdest stories uh, as I went along the quest. But the backbone of the book is the strategies, the tools I learned in how to be grateful. Because it really is, it's a discipline. It doesn't come naturally to most of us, uh, especially me. And learning how to be grateful is it's one of the most important things I've learned in my life because as psychologists will tell you gratitude is a key to happiness if not the key to happiness uh there I have a quote from a benedictine monk who says happiness doesn't lead to gratitude gratitude leads to happiness and I I love that quote it's by uh David Rendel Stahl or Stol not sure how you say his name I figure he's a monk, so maybe he'll forgive me. But, uh, Brother Stall, uh, I think is onto something. I often visualize my personality and all of human nature as having two sides. So you've got the Larry David side and the Mr. Rogers side, and they are constantly at war. Uh, the cynical pessimist and the, and the grateful optimist. And, uh, I actually think I was born with a, a very strong Larry David side, uh, but the exercises and this project was meant to uh, bulk up the Mister Rogers side, get him ripped, so he can take on Larry David. Uh, because I, you know, I love watching Larry David on TV. I would probably rather watch him than Mister Rogers. But being inside his head, being in that frame of mind, is not a happy place, especially now. Now, uh, before I dive into the strategies, let me give you just a little context. As I said, I'm a writer. You can hear Tim interview me in episode 211. And my strategy as a writer is self-experimentation. I'll, I'll dive into a topic, immerse myself, like Tim, the uh, the human guinea pig. Uh, a few years ago, I wrote a book called The Year of Living Biblically, and for this one, I wanted to learn about religion, so I decided to follow all the rules of the Bible as literally as possible. Uh And there are hundreds of them, so I followed the Ten Commandments, but I also followed the less famous rules. The, the Bible says you cannot shave the corners of your beard. I didn't know where the corners were, so I just let the whole thing grow. And by the end, I had this uh crazy topiary hanging from my chin, and... uh I did spend a lot of time at airport security. I uh, I looked like Ted Kaczynski. And the Bible also says, you know, to stone adulterers. So I tried that. I I used pebbles. Didn't want to spend my life in jail. Uh, And the book was about the dangers of following the Bible too, literally. But it was also an exploration of whether there is some wisdom in this ancient book that might be applicable to today. And I met Tim right before that book came out, and we met in a rather unusual way. It was, um, it was like 12 years ago, and I get an email, and it says, My name is Tim Ferriss. I'm, I'm writing a book. It's my first book. I'd love to ask you how you write books. What's your process? And I was like, you know, this guy has some cojones, but sure, I'll talk to him. And uh, we get on the phone, and he asks me about my process. It was, it, it re- I realize it's like the Tim Ferris show, but no one was listening except, except for him and me. And at the end of the conversation, Tim says, you know, um, I read an article you wrote in Esquire. I had written an article called "My Outsourced Life." And in the article, I hired a team of people from Bangalore, India, to do everything for me. So they answered my phone. They responded to emails for me. They argued with my wife for me. It was uh, it was fantastic. Because I just got to sit back and read books and watch movies. Loved it. So Tim says he read that article, and he wanted to reprint it in his upcoming book. And I was you know, saying to myself... Well, this guy's a first-time writer. He's going to sell about 200 copies. I'm not going to be an asshat and ask him for a lot of money. So I'm like, sure, go ahead, print the article, no charge. Uh, cut to, a year later, I get a call. Hey, it's Tim Ferriss, that guy you talked to. Just wanted to let you know that my book is coming out in a few days, and it is number one on Amazon. And I was like, what? How the hell did that happen? I mean, I've never been number one on Amazon, and the book, of course, was the four-hour work week, and my article on outsourcing my life is the basis for chapter eight. Uh, and, of course, it shows that Tim has a brilliant mind that disrupted the book business, uh, but oddly, letting Tim print that article for free, it turned out to be one of the best business decisions of my career Uh not by planning, but I've had so many people who know me from the Four Hour Work Week, so it's it's helped my visibility and uh, get my message out. So karma is real. Sometimes, in this case, it was real. Sometimes you try to do a decent thing and it bites you in the ass, but uh, but this time it worked. So thank you, Tim, uh, and thank you for outsourcing this to me. Okay on to the tips. Uh, Some of these are in the book, and some are not. Uh, Some are exclusive to this podcast. Uh, And there is plenty of other stuff in the book, just so you know. Uh, But here we go. Strategy number one. Declare war on the negative bias. The evil, evil, negative bias. Uh, Psychologists will tell you, humans are born with a negative bias. So, if you hear a hundred compliments and a single insult, what do you remember? The insult, if you're a normal human being. Uh, now, if you believe in evolutionary psychology, there's a reason for this. The negative bias, it had survival value in Paleolithic times. So your 1,000th great-grandparents, they, they needed to be extra aware of dangers. The, the lions, the, the poisonous mushroom. So that's what we are programmed to notice. But we're not, most of us are not on the savanna anymore. So this negative bias is uh, is quite an unpleasant way to go through life. A major cause of depression and anxiety. So how do we fight this negative bias? And the best weapon, according to many psychologists, gratitude. Particularly the type of gratitude where you focus on the hundreds of things that go right every day instead of the three or four that go wrong. And I've been trying to do this for years because I know the advantages of living a grateful life. I mean, there is a ton of studies on how it'll help you battle depression. It will um, it'll make you uh, heal faster. Grateful people are more likely to exercise and eat healthy. So it, it really is remarkable. And I've been trying to be more grateful. So a couple of years ago, I started this Ritual in our house uh, before every meal, I would say a prayer of thanksgiving, but uh, prayer is it 's not quite the right word because i 'm pretty agnostic, so instead of thanking God, I would start a meal by thanking the people who helped make my food a reality so i 'd say oh, i 'd like to thank the farmer who grew these tomatoes and the uh, the truck driver who drove these tomatoes to the store and the cashier at the grocery where I bought them. And, uh, one day at dinner, my 10 year old son said, you know, Dan, that's kind of lame, lame ritual because they can't hear you. Those people are not in our apartment. So if you really care, you should go and thank them in person. And I was like, that is an interesting idea. That is a book idea. So thank you for earning your supper, son. So I did. I went, uh, on a trip. I focused on my morning cup of coffee, and I went around thanking people all over the world. A thousand of them. And I would thank them by email or phone calls, or I would visit them in person. And, uh, you know, the reactions were mixed. Some people were like, you know, uh, what the hell is going on here? Is this, is this a pyramid scheme? What are you selling? But uh, But the majority were surprisingly touched. So... For instance, I remember I called this woman who does pest control for the warehouse where the coffee beans are stored. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, I know this sounds strange, but I want to thank you for keeping the bugs out of my coffee. And she said, well, that, that is strange, but uh, that kind of makes my day. I, I don't get a lot of appreciation. And it was, it was kind of like making anti-crank phone calls. Uh, I felt like I was doing penance for the obnoxious crank phone calls I made in high school to my headmaster. And it didn't just affect the thank It affected me. It gave me a little burst of dopamine because it was such a clear example of how I had negative bias. I, I was taking for granted all these thousands of people Uh, that were needed for my cup of coffee and all of the things that went right so that I could have this brown, delicious liquid in the morning. And you don't need to go around the world thanking people to get the same effect. You just have to be aware of the hundreds of things that go right. So it's about a radical shift in perspective. And you can do it. You can take two minutes a day and just focus on all that goes right in those two minutes. Like, you press the elevator button, and the elevator comes. You get in the elevator, it doesn't plummet to the basement and break your collarbone. Um, or or make a habit of noticing when something goes right. This has been a big change. I try to do this. So when you're on a line at the drugstore that goes fast, make a note of that. Like I will say it out loud to myself. I'm like, hey, look at this. The line is going fast. Because I know that if I don't, then next time I'm on a slow line... I will be like, oh, my God, this always happens to me. I'm always on the worst, slowest line. It's not true. It's just because the annoying ones are the ones that stick. So you've got to fight that. You've got to make the good ones stick as well. So that is tip number one. Focus on the hundreds of things that go right. Guarantee it'll make you happier. Number two, savoring the art of savoring. And I mean savoring in both the literal sense, like savoring a taste, and uh, savoring an experience. Because psychologists talk about how savoring and gratitude are really linked. Uh, And savoring is all about taking a moment and stretching it out, holding on to the moment as long as possible, and, and shifting our sense of time so that life's little annoyances dissolve away, at least for a moment. Because otherwise, Life goes by in a blur, like an undifferentiated gray goo. So one of the best savers I met was this guy for my coffee book, where his name is Ed Kaufman. And he works at Joe Coffee, which is the coffee shop in New York where I buy my coffee. And Ed's job, he goes around the world, South America, Africa, and he tastes all these coffee beans and figures out which one. Which ones to buy? And I thanked Ed. And in return, he showed me how to taste coffee like a pro. And it is quite a bizarre ritual. You dip a spoon in and you take a huge, loud slurp. Like, cartoonishly loud. I'm not going to do it. I won't expose you to that. But the idea is you want to spray the coffee all over your mouth because there are taste buds in the roof of your mouth and the cheeks. you got to get them all. So Ed would do this and his face would light up and he would start spouting these crazy adjectives like, uh, you know, I'm I'm picking up notes of maple syrup and uh, soil and honeycrisp apples. And I would take a sip and I would say, I'm picking up coffee. It's uh, tasting to me a lot like coffee. Uh, But... Because of Ed, I decided, you know what? I'm going to pay him more attention. I'm going to just let that coffee sit on my tongue for five seconds. I can spare five seconds. And really notice the texture and the acidity and the sweetness. And I started doing it with other foods, too. And it's not just foods, but it's moments. It's finding moments in the day and remembering them and putting them in your memory bank. Because I often think the way to look at life is like, I'm a collector of great moments. And uh, I actually started a file on my computer, which I'm dorkily excited about because it is having a big impact on my life. It is called, the file I call it, The One Thing. So every night I add to it, and it's a list. It's a list of one thing I remember, I want to remember from every podcast, every conversation, every TV show, book, I want to remember something that was interesting or helpful and write that down in the file. Because otherwise, I forget everything. So I have dozens of one things built up. Uh, and hold on, I can open one up. All right, there's, I love this one. It was was uh, the one thing I learned from a podcast about Michelangelo. And it was that he didn't really want to paint the Sistine Chapel because uh, he thought of himself as a sculptor, not a painter. And he sent these tortured letters to his friends about how, oh, he's a failure, he's a terrible painter, how could he have gotten himself into this? And I love that, because of course, you know, it's one of the great masterpieces of Western civilization, and here he was having extreme self-doubt. So, uh, I find that motivating. Uh, I can have self-doubt, because Michelangelo did. Uh, But, Sometimes it works out in the end. Sometimes you paint the Sistine Chapel. All right, so that is a strategy two, is, is to savor things, to pick moments. Strategy three is to practice six degrees of thankfulness. And this has been a big obsession of mine for the last couple of years, how everything is connected. Uh, the book I wrote before this gratitude book was called It's All Relative, and it was about these scientists and researchers who are building A family tree of the entire world. Like all 7 billion people on the same family tree. So that we can see that, as the uh, philosopher's sister Sledge pointed out, we are family. We are all family. We are all cousins. Uh, And they're not finished. They they have uh, over 100 million people connected. But even now, you can go on there and figure out your connection to almost anyone on the planet using... DNA and using these massive trees on the internet and you know I would search like Barack Obama and it would come out he's my uh, my fifth great aunt's husband's brother's wife's second seventh great nephew. Uh that is the actual that is the actual connection. So we're very close, practically brothers. Uh but it's it's the same with every part of our lives. We are the connection. Uh, and that's what I tried to do with this uh, book on gratitude, that it takes thousands of people to create any object. Uh, it doesn't take a village to make a cup of coffee. It takes the world to make a cup of coffee. Uh, and to give you an example, I flew to the mountain town in Colombia, to thank the farmers who grew the beans for my coffee this small town and uh we got there it was owned by a family and eight brothers and one sister the guarnizos uh and it's a beautiful farm they have the biggest chickens i have ever seen these chickens are the size of adult pitbulls uh but they also have great coffee and um And they showed me how the coffee beans are grown. Uh, They're inside these red fruits called coffee cherries. They, they look like great tomatoes and you rip that off and I, uh, and there's the bean. And so I thanked them for growing the beans and helping to kickstart my day. And, uh, and they said that they couldn't do their job without a hundred other people from all over the world. Like the machine they use to depulp the fruit, that's made in Brazil. And and they have a pickup truck, which is uh, made from parts all over the world. In fact, uh, I looked it up, in the United States exports steel to Colombia. So I went to Indiana to thank the steel workers there. And it just made me realize how connected everything is. Just the web. And actually, I remember Tim Ferriss of The Tim Ferriss Show once tweeted a quote from John Muir that said, If you pull one thread you realize how connected it is to everything else. Uh, I think it was John Muir. Uh, if not, it was a cousin of his. But that was the general idea. And what I think is uh, it's interesting, it, you know, it's it's a cool idea, but maybe you're asking how does this affect my happiness, my state of mind? And I think it does have a profound effect in several ways. First, reminding yourself that you're part of something bigger is is actually so crucial. And there's the story I love that it sounded apocryphal, but I looked it up, and it's actually true. Uh, and it's that John F. Kennedy, when he was president, he went on a tour of NASA, and uh, they ran into a janitor who was sweeping up the hallway, and uh, John F. Kennedy asked, uh, what do you do here? And uh, and the janitor said, uh, Mr. President, I am helping to put a man on the moon. And I love that, because... Uh, Because if you reframe your job as as being something that's part of a a greater mission, uh, it it will give you meaning and and happiness. Uh, And second, I think realizing we're all connected, it it reminds you that you can ask for help. Uh, And I went to dinner just like two nights ago with this guy. He was an entrepreneur and he had a company uh, and a few years ago, it started to go south, and it was collapsing. And he thought to himself, well, I built this company myself. I'm going to fix it myself. Uh But it just kept collapsing and getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, he had to shift perspective. He had to say, you know what? I didn't build this alone. I had lots of help from colleagues, friends, mentors. And so... Once he gave up that myth of the solo success, that he did it all himself, then he was able to ask for help and ask for money. So, to me, it's an important perspective that you don't do it all yourself. You you, you build it, but you build it with help from other people. Uh, okay, strategy number four. Don't forget you're going to die. That is, I'm only half kidding that this is a useful strategy. Uh, but I'll tell you how I came to it. Is uh, One of the people I interviewed in my book was Will McCaskill, who is, uh, he was featured on the Tim Ferriss show. He's a brilliant man, a uh, philosophy professor at Oxford. He started the Effective Altruism Movement. And I asked Will, I, what are you grateful for? And Will said, well, sometimes I'm just grateful that I have arms. And I love, it was a strange answer, but I loved it because it's, it's true. You can, it's easy to be grateful for, you know, you get a raise, but it's not as easy to be grateful for the things you totally take for granted. And arms, I do take for granted and they are very handy. You know, I, I type the, my book with my hands. And if you take this strategy to its logical end, it's that you've got to be grateful that you exist at all and that... You won't exist forever, unless the radical life extension people are correct, uh, which they may be, but they're probably not going to get to me. Maybe my fifth-grade grandchildren will live forever, but I'm going to die. And uh I think you can either find that depressing or you can find it liberating and realize uh, we only have one. We have a little brief slash here, and I'm going to try to make the best of it. And there is... um. I've always been fascinated by memento mori, the reminders of death. And these have a long history. In Rome, when an emperor or, or a general would win a war, he would, um, he would ride back in his victory parade on the chariot. And they had a servant behind him whispering in his ear, remember, you're mortal. Remember, you're mortal. Just to uh, keep him humble. And, uh, and I love that they have, in many classical paintings, they have skulls as symbols to remind you that you're mortal. Uh, and Carpe Diem, life is fleeting. And I, I actually decided to put a skull on my laptop screen, like, uh, my screensaver. And it's not a, uh, it's not a scary skull because I didn't want to be depressed. So it's like a fun, light, colorful skull, but it reminds me that I am going to die and, and to have this Epicurean uh look at life and try to enjoy it, try to make my life better, other people's lives better, because uh I'm not going to be around forever. All right, number five, strategy five. All right, this is a quick one. Using gratitude to fall asleep. This is a strategy I learned from a psychologist who came to one of my talks, and I don't remember the name, so thank you, psychologist, whose name I forget. Sorry about that. But the idea was that instead of counting sheep at night, you should count the things that you're grateful for, and the key is to do it alphabetically. Give it a little structure, so you know you could start with A, and you think, I'm I'm thankful that my kids made uh, apple pancakes uh, for me on Saturday, and uh, B I'm uh, I'm grateful that the the bathroom at, at my workplace is not very busy. Uh. Whatever. So you do that, and I have uh, never made it to Z. I always fall asleep somewhere between, like, F and, uh, and R. Uh, all right. Strategy number six is uh, thou shalt not have nostalgia, or at least delusional nostalgia. And uh, this is because I do believe that glorifying the past is a thief of joy. And I really, I, I've come to realize that the good old days were not good at all. They were uh, disease-ridden. They were dangerous, sexist, homophobic, racist. Uh, they were smelly. I mean, just thinking about the the way streets were with horses on them. And uh, I, for my first book, I read the Encyclopedia Britannica from A to Z. They don't even print it anymore, but... I tried to learn everything in the world. And that was, when I read about history, that's when it became so clear that I am really happy I live in the 21st century and not 1918 or 1818. Uh, and whenever I get depressed, like if I get upset about um, the hotel charging me, you know, $5 for Wi-Fi, I get annoyed. But I have a three-word mantra that I find very helpful. And that three-word mantra is surgery without anesthesia. And I just try to imagine that because that's the way all surgeries were until just a few decades ago. Um, And I know this is a little counterintuitive because if you watch cable news or your Facebook feed, it does seem like we're on the verge of the apocalypse. And uh, there is a lot of negative news. And granted... I do think that the last couple of years have been a huge step backwards, and we've got to fight to get back on course. But I like to take the long view, and uh, and it gives me some hope. I I am in the Steven Pinker camp, uh, the writer of Enlightenment now, that if you look at the long view of human history, that we should be thrilled to be alive now, because it is much less... Uh, dangerous. There's much less suffering uh, than there used to be. And this even I saw in my coffee, you know, because I am thrilled to have a modern cup of coffee. Because if I had a coffee 100 years ago, I do not know what would have been in it. Because I read a terrifying history of coffee, which had the list of adulterants. Is that a word? The list of uh, stuff that they put in coffee that the merchants would slip in there anything you can think of i mean there was it was dirt, baked horse liver was one was uh they cut it with baked horse liver uh there was lead arsenic i mean you were taking your life into your hands when you ate. Uh, in the past. So I am thankful for the FDA. Uh, I Actually, one of the people I thanked was Teddy Roosevelt's descendant because Teddy Roosevelt was uh, the president wh- who signed the Safe Food Acts into law. Uh, so don't wallow in the past. Uh, Alright, strategy number seven. Try to discover the hidden masterpieces all around you. One of my favorite conversations during this gratitude project was when I called to thank the inventor of the coffee cup lid. And uh, his name is Doug Fleming. Actually, it's not all lids. It's, It's the particular lid on my cup. And until this time, I had given very little thought to coffee cup lids. But when I spoke to Doug, I was blown away by the amount of passion and thought that went into this coffee couplet. Cause he's, he thinks it's very important. Like a bad lid can ruin your coffee. It'll block the aroma. And, uh, that's a huge part. It can, uh, send the coffee spouting, which uh, decreases your pleasure. <laughs> so Doug. He revolutionized, uh, coffee lids. He's like, he was written up and wired. He's like the, um, Elon Musk of lids, hopefully a little more li- emotionally stable, but he, he designed a lid with an upside down hexagon so you can really burrow your nose in there and there's an extra large hole to let out the aroma. And I loved that because it made me really, there are these little masterpieces, uh, all around me that I take for granted. I'm, I'm looking at the on-off switch on my desk lamp, which has this smooth indentation that perfectly fits my thumb. And uh, it's lovely. If something is done well, then the process behind it is largely invisible. But if you pay attention, if you notice these things, refuse to take them for granted, it will tap into your sense of wonder, which is such an important part of happiness. All right. Strategy number eight is go analog. Uh, so for this book, uh, to sort of get the word out, I decided, I pledged to write 1,000 handwritten personalized thank you notes to readers of my books and articles and send them off. And this project has been simultaneously both a huge pain in the ass and, uh, wonderfully rewarding. Uh, at the same time, because what I did was I put on my website, uh, you can go on ajjacobs.com slash thanks and you can fill out your name and address and, and a message. And that's what I loved is people have been filling out these lovely messages, um, uh, about the times they read my book and, uh, they are wonderful, sometimes very weird, uh, I've gotten a lot of requests. I've gotten requests to write thank you notes to people's dogs. One guy wanted me to thank his ex-wife, which I thought was like conscious decoupling at its best. Uh I had to draw a taco for one reader. Um so it's a it's a little odd, but it is also it is uh it is it, it makes it so real to have a paper And it's good for me as the thanker and hopefully good for them as the thankee. It has raised my happiness level. And I really, you can read these articles about these studies that writing thank you notes can have a a lasting impact on your happiness. So this one study had people write a one-page thank you notes to someone who was important to them, you know, a mentor or a relative, and then deliver the thank you note in person, read it to that Person you're thanking, which is, uh, can be totally awkward. I did this. I had a, a boss at my first newspaper and I, I read to him how much he meant to me and it was, it was indeed awkward, but, uh, but I think it was good for both of us, uh, at least for me. And, uh, and there was recently a study that said we overestimate the, uh, the level of awkwardness when we thank people and underestimate how much impact it will have. So, I do recommend writing the thank you notes. Um, by the way, two other quick studies on gratitude that might be useful. One was a study. I believe it was Wharton study that said, if you use the phrase, thank you, it is not as effective as using the phrase, I am grateful. Uh, so, because I guess thank you, it's just become so robotic. So if you can mix it up and try to get out of the, uh, the, just the rote, thank you and try another phrase that apparently has more impact. I tried this with my wife. I said to her, you know, I'm, I'm deeply grateful that you took our kids to the orthodontist. And she looked at me. She's like, oh, are you in a cult? Like, what's going on here? Uh, so that don't, don't use deeply in my experience, but mixing up the phrases is a good idea. And the second study I found interesting was that people who Pat job interviews and then wrote a thank you note had a more we're more likely to get called back so maybe obvious but they really do work all right strategy number nine is to uh, fake it till you feel it fake gratitude till you feel it and this has been a theme in many of my projects along with Tim's projects I think that when you act in a certain way it it affects your thinking. That the outer affects the inner. That the behavior affects your mind. There's a great quote. I wish I had come up with it. It's uh, actually by the founder of Habitat for Humanity. He says, "It's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting." So, I would say I experienced this quite a bit during the gratitude project. I would, I would wake up with my Larry David side strong. The uh, the grumpy side strong, but I would force myself to call or write notes, uh, thanking people, and just by doing that and and realizing what people had done for me, what what all that had gone into my coffee, I was my mind caught up. It, you know, I tricked my mind by by doing the action. So act as if you're grateful, and eventually your mind will catch up. Hopefully. Um, and finally, use gratitude as a spark to action. Uh, and this is important because I don't want to, uh, I think there's a fear among some people that gratitude has a downside, that it might lead to complacency, that if we're too grateful, we'll think, oh, the world is perfect and we don't need to improve, that you need to be angry to change things to to affect social change. And it turns out the opposite is true. There are studies that show that the more grateful you are, the more likely you are to help others, uh, the more pro-social you are. And I have found this on a personal level. You know, when I'm in a bad mood, I am not interested in helping others. I just want to get out of that bad mood. Gratitude makes you want to pay it forward. And I saw this because, you, you know, you go on any supply chain and you will see things can get ugly you know, there is the downside. I'm a capitalist, but there is a downside to global capitalism. There is a lot of suffering and exploitation. Uh, I read one interesting study that said, if everyone on this chain were paid uh, the uh, minimum wage in the United States, then uh, your coffee would cost $25. Uh, I, I always thought $3 was ridiculous, but that was a, a sort of a wake-up call. Um but it makes you realize that what we have, what, what I take for granted is not available to millions, billions of people in the world. And an example of this was water. You know, I, um, coffee is 98.8% water. So I figured I had to thank the people who provide the water to New York. So I, I went upstate and there are thousands of people working at the New York Reservoir just so I can turn on this tap. And, and get safe water uh and then jobs are not always fun you know there is a job someone has to pick up the uh the cow poop and the deer poop around the reservoir before a rainstorm so it doesn't flow in to the reservoir so um it reminded me that uh there are these people who spend hours on this and and there are people around the world who who have to walk part of the day much of the day to get clean water and uh I was actually, I was talking to my kids because I thought we could reframe the glass half full, glass half empty. You know, it's, I think we need to go a step back. You know, it's not just that the glass is half full. It's like the fact that we have any water in the glass at all, Though you can put it under a, a metal tube and turn a switch and you have clean water. That's crazy. So it doesn't matter how much is in the glass the fact that there is water is astounding so the paradox the wonderful paradox is the more you focus on other people the happier you are i mean i spent most of my life my 20s and 30s focused exclusively on my own happiness and uh and when you are chasing your own happiness as the sages will tell you, you you're not always going to be happy you're not gonna, it's too much pressure on yourself so uh paradoxically but wonderfully, focusing on someone else's happiness will actually make you happier. Uh all right, so oh and by the way, little plug for water. I um becoming aware of this, uh, I asked Will McAskill, uh the philosopher, what is the best or a good water charity, and he suggested dispensers for safe water, which uh gives people the ability to clean their water in a cheap way. Uh, so, little plug for them. All right. So now, my conclusion is: uh, I'm just very grateful that this. Uh, I was able to take this undertake this project gratitude, and I've become you know sort of an evangelist. I I want my friends to follow the gratitude trail. So it doesn't have to be coffee. It could be a light bulb or a, a pair of socks and. And you don't have to travel the world you can just do a small gesture like um sending a note to the designer of a logo you love or looking a cashier in the eye mostly i just think it's a mindset uh refusing to take things for granted being aware of the thousands of people involved that someone in a factory made the fabric for the chair you're sitting in right now or the uh, or the pants you're wearing uh someone went into a tunnel and mind the copper for this microphone, so I could say my my final two thank yous, which is first to uh, thank you for listening, and second to thanks to Tim Ferriss for outsourcing this episode to me. Hope you liked it, uh, and you can learn more in the book. Thanks a thousand. Thank you.
0: of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check it out. Just go to 4hourworkweek.com. That's 4hourworkweek.com all spelled out and just drop in your email and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by Peloton, which I've been using probably for about a year now. Peloton is a cutting-edge indoor cycling bike that brings live studio classes right into your home. You can also do on-demand, which is what I do. We'll come back to that. So you don't have to worry about fitting classes into a busy schedule or making it to a studio or gym with a hectic or unpredictable commute. I, for instance, have a Peloton bike right in my master bedroom at home, and it's one of the first things I do many mornings. I wake up, I meditate for a bit, then I knock out a short 20-minute ride in my undies, hard to do that at the gym, take a shower, and I'm in higher gear for the rest of the day. It's really convenient and has become something that I look forward to. So you have a lot of options. For one, if you like, you can ride live with thousands of other riders across the country on an interactive leaderboard to keep you motivated. There are also up to 14 new classes added every day with more than 8,000 classes on demand. And you can pick based on length, 45 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, music, hip hop, rock and roll, or say low impact versus high intensity or interval. You can pick the class structure and style that works for you. And in my case, I quite like Matt Wilpers and I tend to do on demand and listen to a lot of and watch many of the same classes over and over. But I'm kind of promiscuous and also enjoy classes from a lot of the other instructors. They have Peloton, an amazing roster of incredible instructors in New York City with a whole range of styles and personalities, so you can find what you're in the mood for. You also get real-time metrics that you can use to track your performance over time And that will help, I would say, catalyze you to beat your personal best. Now that all sounds good, right? Gamification, yada, yada, yada. I didn't think that it would work for me or in any way incentivize me, but they really 100% hit the nail on the head. I was very, very impressed with how motivating it was. And it worked tremendously to keep me pushing. Uh, which quite honestly takes a fair amount. I can get quite lazy, particularly with anything that edges on endurance, which is kind of more than five reps of anything for me. So check it out discover this cutting-edge indoor cycling bike that brings the studio experience right to your home peloton is offering listeners of this podcast a limited time offer go to onepeloton.com that's o-n-e peloton p-e-l-o-t-o-n.com and enter the code tim all caps at checkout and get $100 off of accessories with your peloton bike purchase so get a great workout at home anytime you want check it out. Go to onepeloton.com and use the code TIM to get started. This episode is brought to you by Charlotte's Web, which makes a CBD oil, a hemp extract that has become one of my go-to tools. Now, I have never really talked about CBD oil, and cannabis has never really been the plant for me. I know we're talking about hemp, uh, but... Nonetheless, after several nights of inexplicable insomnia, this was about a year ago, I just could not get to sleep to save my life, and after other fixes failed, so melatonin, California poppy extract, da-da-da-da-da, an elite athlete introduced me to this non-psychoactive extract and BAM! Problem solved. I had some of the best sleep that I'd had in months. Now, I don't use sleep aids on a daily basis, but this has become part of my toolkit, and I hope to be exploring other applications soon. CBD oil products have exploded in popularity in the health and wellness and fitness worlds, and Charlotte's Web is one of the top players that offers a broad-spectrum hemp extract with CBD in the form of oils, capsules, and topical products. Charlotte's Web products will not get you high, so that maybe that is good news, maybe bad news to you, but it does have some powerful benefits and uh, applications, and it works with your body's existing endocannabinoid system. Endo meaning from within, like endo versus exoskeleton, for instance. So endocannabinoid system works with your body. Some of the most common uses are for relief from everyday stressors, help in supporting restful sleep, which is what I most often use it for, uh, to bring about a sense of calm and focus. A lot of my friends use it for that. CBD is also known or becoming known for helping athletes to recover from exercise induced inflammation, charlotte's web hemp extract has naturally occurring terpenes flavonoids and other valuable hemp compounds that work synergistically to heighten positive effects sometimes referred to as the entourage effect which you guys can look up making it more complete than single compound cbd alternatives or at least that is what i've been told Uh, i do not know much about cbd alternatives nor single compound in any case check it out this stuff has really worked for me so jump over to cwhemp.com forward slash tim cw is in charlotte's web cwhemp.com forward slash tim to take a quick quiz, which will determine the best product for your particular aims, lifestyle, etc. And they ship to all 50 states. Charlotte's Webb are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off of their purchase. While there are some exclusions, I personally use the extra strength CBD oils or the extra strength capsules. And uh, you can see what might be a fit for you on that page. And there is a 30-day risk-free guarantee. So why not try it out? So get 10% off of your purchase at CWHemp.com forward slash Tim. And disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Enjoy.